This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking uh, about Regeneration 2. This is our second in this series. And it's a big word, regeneration. Uh, but what it really means is God's grace working inside of our lives. When we get saved, um, we talked about this last week. When we get saved, we accept Christ our Lord and Savior. Grace, or God's presence, comes inside of our life. When we are in this space of surrender, we're accepting that we in our lives need something more. God has created all of us to be spirit alive. When we are born of a, of a, a mother, we are born humanly. We have flesh and bones inside of us. We have a soul inside of our life, but we are born not in a space of understanding who God is. We have to come to that space of understanding who God is by being born again, by being born again, which means we're born of the Spirit. And when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become born again. But let me share something with you. So many Christians will have an event with God. And then after that event, it just seems like it goes downhill. Kind of like a lot of people have marriage. They'll have an event with each other. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, it just goes downhill after that. All the romance and everything else goes, that is not the way God's made any covenant relationship to be, that any covenant relationship, whether it be in marriage and especially with God, it should be just go from what, from glory to glory, from greatness to even great, greater ways. That's the way God has made it to be. And yet the only way to do that is intentionality. My relationship with my wife, unless I'm intentionally putting it in front of our lives and making it a space of importance, unless my will is turned into saying, look, God has wanted me and longing for me to be a great husband, and that's not going to come automatic. That's going to come from decisions that I would make and that God has made me to be a husband, and at the same time, the way to do that, i got to find out where's the, where is you know, the, 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 the idea or the plan or the design, where is the manual? how to do this. And the only way that manual works is through the Spirit of God inside of my life. The reason many Christians are even failing in their marriage is because they're not allowing a grace of God to work in their life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're willingly or yielded to the presence and the power of God. Just because you come to church doesn't mean that you are willingly and yielded. In fact, if you would turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1, Verse 19. And we're not going to spend a lot of time there. We're going to go right to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, right after that. These are the two opening passages today as we talk about grace. Isaiah chapter 1, 19 and 20. And then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read right into 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. If you're willing, and it doesn't seem like it should be too difficult, does it? If you're willing and you're obedient. It doesn't say if you're just willing. It doesn't say if you're just obedient. Because you can be an obedient heart that's not willing to change. 
You're obedient to what was happening. You could be obedient to something 20 years ago that God told you, but you haven't changed at all in the last 20 years. You have to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here's this promise. God says, just be willing and obedient and we'll eat the good of the land. Now I want to read a passage about a man. And uh, I don't know how much you guys know who Paul is in the Bible. Uh, most people who are aware or have some kind of acquaintance with the Bible know who the Apostle Paul is. He wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, the Apostle Paul is this character who was very religious. And what I mean by that is he was raised up by Bible teachers. He was raised up in a good home. He had great mentors, but he, was, he had a religious heart. He was not willing to change. He was all about obedience, but he was not willing to change. That's why I just read Isaiah 1, 19 and 20. How important it is to have a willing heart and an obedient life. Because you can be obeying the wrong thing. You can be obeying traditions. The Bible says the traditions of man make God's word to no effect. You can be, you, you can be following some creed that's been passed on to you generationally. But if you're not willing to allow God to work inside, that's what grace is. Grace is God moving and touching your heart. He's writing his ways inside your heart. And so we're going to read about the Apostle Paul and how God worked through this man. And you're going to read about some terrible things that, exp that happened to his life. Things that no man would ever want to have come into life. In fact, it's even hard to understand Isaiah 1.19. It says the willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. You're going... I thought you just said, Pastor Ron, that a willing and obedient eat the good, and man, everything that Paul was having wasn't, didn't seem good. Didn't seem good at all. Well, what you have to understand is that Paul was told, all the way back in chapter Acts, verse 9, we read about it, that the first thing that Paul got when he got the work of grace, he says, I want you to know, in fact, Ananias laid hands on me, he says, tell Paul this, he's going to have great revelations, and I'm going to do a great work in his life, but there's going to be many sufferings along his pathway. So whatever happened to Paul, he had fair warning. I am so thankful that no one has laid hands on me and told me, you shall have many sufferings coming in your pathway. But if I had had that, then I would certainly be aware of it. And so as we read, at, you know, as we read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you read about all the things, you're going, man, that's not a good life. I don't know if, you know, if Christianity, maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you're visiting, maybe you're watching online and you're, and you're just kind of visiting online and you're going, I don't know if I really want to follow Christianity if this is kind of the path that God brings to the, his greatest man. Well, let me just tell you something. We're going to talk about grace today and that grace always matches and brings you to new spaces with God. Paul had revelations. He was caught up, and as we're going to read it, he was caught up in heaven. He saw things and was part, you know, privy to things that he couldn't even tell, tell us about. He couldn't write it down. He couldn't record it. I believe that God wants to do that in our marriages. I believe that God wants to do that in this last days. In fact, I have a word for you today about the last days. God has been working, working in my heart all week about it. I'm going to share with you today. And so let's um, catch up. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. I'm going to start with verse 16. Again, I say, don't think that I'm a fool to talk like this. 
Paul speaking to the Corinthians. But even if you do, listen to me, as you would do to a foolish person while I boast a little. Such boasting is not from the Lord, but I am acting like a fool. And since others boast about their human achievements, I'm going to do it too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with these other fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. I'm ashamed to say that we've been too weak to do that. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again, I dare to boast about it too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? Now, I'm just going to interject some. Paul, through both books of the Corinthians, is struggling to get people to listen to him. That's really the, the struggle. Paul has a word from God that he wants to share. And because others have come in the pathway of the Corinthians, they don't want to listen to Paul because when he's, in, you know, when he's actually present with them, he's not this great orator. He's not as inspiring as other people are. He's not as motivational as other people are. And so Paul is struggling inside of his own heart going, listen, what I have to share with you is so important. Would you please? And so now what he's doing, is he goes, look, if the only thing you're going to follow is somebody's resume, I guess y'all will give you mine. You guys following? So what Paul says, I'll beat whatever it takes to reach some. So here he is. I don't want to act like a fool because a fool is going over there. Look, I want you to follow because here's my resume. But if that's what I if that's what I got to do for you to listen, here comes my resume. So here's Paul's resume. <clears throat> if they if so am I, the Israelites, so am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have faced I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts. On the seas, I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard, long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have daily burden of all my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor underneath King Artes kept guard at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape him. Chapter 12. Okay? Now, by the way, just so when the Bible was written, it was written as a letter. They weren't divided into chapters. So I know that we do. I don't know why we do it so much, but it just kind of helps us. Okay, I'm done reading for the day. And we'll start to, well, let's just pretend we're not done for reading for the day. Let's go into chapter 12. Chapter 12, because it goes, it flows right in from chapter 11. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up in the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or I was out of my body, I don't know. 
Only God. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know what I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words, things no human allowed to tell. Now, just before we get into verse 5, nobody wants to listen to Paul, or few do. It seems that Paul is struggling trying to get people's attention to hear what God is saying through his life. And yet Paul is saying, look, I'm not even sharing. I'm not even telling you all the things. There are things that God has forbid me to talk about. They're so astounding. Knowing that Paul says, if I could just even talk about these things, you'd get a big bowl of shut up and you'd be really listening, but yet God won't even let me talk about it. Can you see the inner struggle that Paul is having? Some of us parents, sometimes we're teaching our kids. and We really want them to get it. That's what Paul is. These are God's kids and he really wants them to get it. Verse 5. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weakness. If I wanted to boast, I would be no good in doing so because I would be telling the truth. I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a horn, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time God said, and I'm going to say it with me, okay? Grace. Everybody say, grace. Today's message is about the importance of grace. And not grace just to get saved, but grace to live your life out. Here's Paul. We're not talking about salvation. Here's Paul and his great anointing. He's working what God has called me. He's the apostle of all apostles. And the only thing that's getting him through his life, all through the shipwrecks, all through the beatings, all through the cold nights, all through the cares of the church, all through all the things nobody listened to him, the thing that's getting him through is, say it with me, how many times, I don't know what you're facing, you need more. You need it. And yet so many of us do not pray about it. Paul goes on and on. May grace and mercy be multiplied unto your life. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in their insults and the hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would just yield, be willing and obedient to receive your grace. That no matter what we face, Lord, and I believe that times are going to get tough. And we're going to need grace. Father, that we would stay the course with you. And that we would shine like stars in the space of the hour we live in. That people in our workplace, that Father, people in our community, that Lord, I pray that our kids, our marriages, God, our family, our extended family, God, I pray that they would see who you are through our life. They would see your grace working inside of our life. And that, Lord, we're changing Lord God, we're evolving into everything. We're being regenerated into your great design. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your truths. They're setting us on a course of freedom. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So if you would follow me along with me, I just have a few steps I want to share with you. They're not 
very difficult to follow, and I, I, I pray that there's something that you talk about throughout the weeks to come in your life, and because I really want to get today to what God has spoken to me about the end. All right? Point number one, step one, accepting Christ in your life is inviting God's power to change your life. It's called regeneration. Accepting Christ. When you accept Christ in your life, you become born again. You now become a regenerated. You are born of not only just of a human descent. You're born, the Bible says in the book of John, it says that you are born of the Spirit. You have now become a regenerated spirit. Okay? But that's the beginning. God is the author and the finisher of your life. Allow God's grace to finish its work, especially if you've authored, allowed him to author his work. Number two, step two is allowing his grace to continue to change you. We have a big churchy word about this. It's called sanctification. It's just a big churchy word. What it really means is it's allowing God's grace to continually work his plan in your life. It's a big process that God goes over there. You could become like a vacuum into his heart and his ways. Allow God to do his work inside of your life. In fact, anything that God touched, we, we talked about God sets apart. They're called holy. You read it in the Old Testament. Now, I love how Pastor Chad was even talking about in this song about, you know, in the Old Testament. You know, we look at all the artifacts and we could see candles and we could see tables and we could, we could see even food. And today we're going to take communion. Now, it may look like juice and a cracker inside of that, but to God, when you see it as his and he touches it, it's holy. What is human becomes holy. All holy is is when God touches it. Anything that God touches is holy. So when you allow God to touch your life, you are holy unto him. That's why it's so important how you talk. That's why it's so important how you interact with your spouse. Because God's going, that's not how holiness interacts. Anything that I touch, this is how it talks. This is how it you know, intersects other people's lives. Because you are holy unto God. In fact, and I, I want to read this passage to you um, in Acts chapter 9. This is what God had said about the Apostle Paul, the thing we just read. In Acts chapter 9, we find in 15, 6. But the Lord said to Ananias, go for Saul is my chosen instrument. What's that chosen instrument? He's holy. He's a holy instrument. To take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul knew it was coming. All that chapter of chapter 11 we just read, Paul knew because he was a holy child of God. And even in the space of that holiness, grace was working in his heart to overcome each event and activity. Number three, to sanctify someone or something is to set that person or thing apart for the use intended by its designer. Do you know that God has an in intent for you? That you aren't here just by accident? That God has a design, a master plan for your life. Are you allowing yourself to be set apart? Are you taking time? Like my wife and I are trying to take time every morning to seek him, get in his presence and, and pray, you know, and, and pray that our life, God, here we are. Be an instrument. Let it be yours today. Number four, sanctification or God's regenerative power changing you happens through his presence and your obedience. 
Did you feel his presence and worship and praise this morning? I did. I can, I can get to that place where I'm allowing my God and say, God, I know there's so much going on. I just want my heart with you connected. May it touch my life. May I have that moment. I want to know you, God. I want to know your presence. I want to know the power of your presence. I want to know you intimately. Number five, some examples of uh, sanctification of the presence of God. Noah building an ark. I mean, he's out there. It takes 100 years to build this crazy boat. Grace. Can you imagine waking up? You're 80 years into your walk and you're still building this ark and everybody mocks you. And you're trying to talk to your kids, Shim, Ham, and Japheth, to go, stay the course. Stay the course. Knowing that your kids are being ridiculed, knowing that everyone else is being ridiculed, knowing that you're the, the laughing stock of everybody around you, you're 80 years in it and you still got 20 more to go. Only grace can get you to stay that course. Sanctify, God set his hand upon Noah. How about Jonah? The only way that someone can live in a fish and get spit up, so that's impossible. Yeah, with man, all, you know, that is. But with God, all things are possible. That's the thing that we go over there and we go, well, that's impossible. You read that story, I get it. But we're not talking about something that's humanly made here. We're talking about who you are in Christ. And God doesn't want to see what's humanly possible. He wants to see what's not humanly possible. He wants to see with a vessel who's born again, who's allowing themselves to be willing and obedient and let all that God can do in their life, what is humanly possible get way surpassed and what is supernaturally possible take shape. See, this world doesn't see, need to see any more humanly possible things. We live in a time of knowledge. In fact, if you think you're going to impress people in the world by your knowledge, you're not. You're not going to impress people with your knowledge. Even your knowledge of God isn't going to impress people. What's going to really touch a person's heart is that emptiness inside of them that's longing for purpose in life, that's longing for, is there a real grand design? Is there something life hereafter? Peter had to leave fishing, and grace got a hold of his heart. And all of a sudden, he was fishing for men. Or how about Saul? We talked about his Bible training, and he had all his Bible training. He had to leave all of, his, all of his knowledge of what he thought, his religion, for a relationship. And David is going from being a shepherd to being a king. Grace, Rahab, who was a harlot, became the hero of the hour. She had to leave her shame. Grace changed her life. Number six, God's presence is not to be taken for granted. Grace is not a cover for sin. I know that today the church has made that, oh, you know what? God, you know, he, he's, he's out here and he just forgives all sin. And, and no matter what we do, he's just going to forgive our sin. And we've made grace to be something, a cover, instead of grace being power. Grace isn't a cover for sin. Grace is the power over sin. That's what grace God gives us to be. So that means this, that yes, God loves you and will forgive you for your pornographic addiction but grace will free you from it. Free you from it. 
Or maybe you're in a space of hate. Maybe you've been, maybe there's areas in your life where you have unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe toward a spouse. Maybe toward an abusive uh, father. Maybe an abusive stepfather. Maybe you've been sexually abused as a child. And there's so much anger and animosity. Where was God then? God didn't do any of that. God has not, God is the author and the finisher of every good gift. But we have a real devil that steals, kills, and destroys. And some poor soul who, who put, that in, put that shame and that pain inside of your life, truly sorry, and God's even more sorry about it. But God has a way. His grace will help you overcome the pain of the sin that's come into your life. God can set you apart, even a vessel who has been so abused, God, just like Rahab, can make you a vessel of honor and value. That's what grace can do through a surrender. Are you willing? And say, what is it with me? Obedient. Are you willing and obedient? In closing, um, I want to talk today we're going to be taking communion in a few more minutes. I'm talking about something the Lord has been just won't let me go this week. Some of you are aware of it. Maybe others are um, aware of it. But I don't know if you really know what's going on. But China and, and Russia, and then they're trying to bring India in, in the place of it all. I just want to share with you that um, we're living in the last days. And that these nations are trying to, they have, don't, these nations are trying to become a superpower. God has shined upon America when we were one nation under God. When we were a, a literally a spiritual police. God raised up the Jewish nation in the Old Testament to become the, the spiritual police of the world of that hour. He's always raised up a remnant. He's always raised up a nation to do it. It used to be the Jewish race. And of course, we all know that history tells us that they had their falling away. And then God raised up the Gentiles. We live in that time and period right now of the Gentile age. You are Gentiles. Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. Anybody that's accepted. Now God has shined upon this time, his appointed time with the Gentiles. We are those Gentiles. But there's going to become a time that end. There's a time, an appointed time of end. Just like there was with the Jewish, this time there is on the Gentiles. And then there's going to be in a time where God's going to turn that clock back on for the Jewish race. That's called the seven years of tribulation. Now I want to read a passage to you that alarms me. It is from Daniel chapter 12. And I know what the Spirit of God is doing in my own heart because he wants me to be ready. And he's, he, as your pastor, my job is to help you to be ready. Now our job is we're not going to fix the nations. We're not going to go over there and here to you know, raise arm against India and China and Russia. That's not what this is about. What we are is to shine like stars in the hours of darkness that we live in. And if we're truthful about ourselves, we're not. I even asked my elders, how many of you this week shared Christ with anybody? We need to begin to be alarmed inside that time is short. Revelations chapter 12. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over our nation, will rise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any, than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book 
will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting grace. Those who are wise will shine bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end. When many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. We are living in a time where knowledge is everybody's God. The little G that we talked about last week is knowledge. And Satan is playing right into it. This is all part of history. It's already recorded. We are living in those ages. But what God has asked us to do is to shine like stars, to awaken our own willful hearts and obedient to God to express his grace in these hours that we live. This is the time, Life Change Church, where we allow God's grace to, you know what, just in his impartation to awaken us personally so that in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our marriages, in our children, that they can see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ on the inside of our life. And so as we take communion in just a couple minutes, that's holy. It's grace working in our hearts. Tomorrow morning we wake up. We wake up and we, God, to you this day, here I am. That we ask God in his grace for these hours that are here. And we don't get worried about what's going on in Russia and China and India. By the way, it's all biblical. Read Daniel chapter 11, where the north and the south and the east. This is all happening right underneath your eyes. And this is the time where all we need to do is, God, God, just like Paul went through all of those spaces of hardships, those hardships are coming. If they become one world, they one world power like they're going to be, how strong is America to fight off China, Russia, and India? Don't fool yourself. Just like, the, just like God's people were so fooled, they thought, you know what? God's for us. Nothing can be really against us. God is for his plan. Are you and we operating in his plan? That's what he's for. God has a grand design. And the church age, Romans tells us, will come to an end. And then the Jewish time clock will start again called the seven years of tribulation. Is this not the hour where we see those who are the wealthiest are the ones that have knowledge? And yet we worship them? Well, you know what worship is, right? You give your attention to. That's what worship all is. You aim your attention to. Well, we aim our attention to, I want to, I'd like to, you know, someday fly up in this space. Well, who just invented that? Or I, I guess I would like to look at all my smart devices because who could just has been inventing that? What do we worship? What do we give our attention to? When the world looks at us as some antiquated people, maybe in my ways I'm antiquated, but in my heart, I'm larger than life with Jesus. And that's what matters. 
they are lost at heart. And they're striving for pleasure. And they're striving for meaning in life. Some of them are trying to invent ways up into space where, who made space? God. Paul says, I was caught up. Tells us right here that if we get so caught up with God, that space doesn't even hold us back. Where is your heart? Where is my heart? In these end hours, am I even sharing Jesus with my next door neighbor? I know I'm ready to come. I'm ready, to, I'm ready for him to come in. Come, Lord Jesus. Take me out of this crazy place. But then I think, how many are ready that I love? How many of you know people that you love that if he came today, they're not ready? And where is our heart doing to help them be made ready? Last thing I want to share. When Jesus came here, there was this one name, man named John the Baptist who prepared the way. I believe, after all I'm saying, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus is coming back. Are we preparing the way for his second coming? Are we helping people to ask God to forgive them of their sins? John the Baptist didn't do any miracles. Didn't do any mighty thing. All he did was get in front of people and say, you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sins because he's coming back. And you know what? Before we can ask anybody else to forgive them of their sins, we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you said, God, say, God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God, help me be that vessel of holiness so that others who see upon me, look upon me, don't see me, they see you, Jesus. God, may they be cut to the heart. May there be a change inside of their very walk, the very being, because they can say that I've been with you, God. Is that our heart cry? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, I thank you for the space of your presence today. I thank you that you give us grace to even show us things to come. I want all of us to pray this prayer right now, and then we're going to have communion here in just a few more minutes too in our worship set. But I want you to all to pray this prayer right now. It's a prayer of surrender. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from the crazy world that tries to stick to me. Make me a vessel of holiness unto you. Here I am. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship our King. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.